Shelley began drinking Crown Royal in junior high, and eventually that led to methamphetamines. One day in 2007, she was driving in a stolen car to see her dad, who was dying of cancer. On the way there, she was arrested. And she says the best thing her family ever did for her was not bail her out of jail. Well, today, she's a licensed chemical dependency counselor in Taos, New Mexico. Come on, let's do a background check on Shelly Goad. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. Hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Gum. As always, is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and what all we do, check us out, ForgivenFelons.org. From that website, you can download an application package, send to your loved one who's interested in uh, paroling to one of our transitional houses. From there also, you can see our appearance on The Huckabee Show. You can watch, uh, you can see how to watch the documentary, which is on Roku and 2B TV. So uh, go check us out, and uh, especially if you have a loved one in prison who needs a place to parole. What what do we do at background check? Background check. I got tired, you know, of letting background check be a negative thing in my life. And so we decided to have a platform and call it background check where we share stories. And sometimes I'm here on solo talk about topics and different things, but sometimes most of the time we have stories of people who's risen above their background, above their past. And, and have become productive citizens. And sometimes we interview people that have never been in trouble before, but they work in arenas that help people with backgrounds. So t- today's guest is an amazing woman. Uh, I feel like we may have run into each other uh, in the past, in both of our partying days. It just feels like somebody that I may have known back then, but who knows. Um, but Shelly is just an amazing person. She has come from addiction to alcohol and meth, have, has lost a lot in her life, but now she's come back from all this, and she went back to school, and she was pouring into uh, Safe P, place where she was at one point. Now she's pouring back in to people who are struggling, and she's a licensed chemical dependency counselor, LCDC, and she's taken what she's gone through and now helping so many people. You're going to love her story. We laughed. Uh, there's there's some tears, but overall, we're so proud of, of, of the person Shelly has become. So here's our interview. All right, Miss Shelly Goad, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my it, goodness. It's an Exciting. honor. It's an honor for, for me to, uh, to be able to get to talk to you today. Because uh, we have a mutual friend, and she has talked nonstop about you, <laughs> and so uh, I'm I'm excited to get to be able to share your story with with our listeners today. So thanks again for coming on, taking the time, and uh, and and 
yeah, I mean, it's a part of all of our recovery is just to share our story. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. I well, think that's the best way to say thank you that, is sharing yes, my story. Absolutely. I agree because man, you know, all the years and pain and, and trouble I put my mom and parents and family through, um, you know, I asked my mom one time, I said, I don't know if I could ever repay you for staying with me all those years, believing in me. I like to tell people I'm where I am by the grace of God and mama's prayers. I know there was Absolutely. a lot of other people praying for me, but there's something about my mama's prayers uh, that I feel like uh, sometimes haunted me because I felt like sometimes uh, there was a, she sent me one of her little prayer journals one time when I was in jail waiting to go to prison. And I read what she wrote. She said, she said, Lord, please uh, protect J Dan from himself. And what she meant by that prayer was, if you got to send him to prison, send him to prison. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, so, and, right. Uh, I, I think that, you know, as far as my mom goes, uh, you know, like she has like a hotline right to God. Oh, her yeah. and my aunt, her and my aunt were just praying it up, you know. And so, Shelly, uh, tell us, tell us what you do now. We're going to get into your story uh, and, and weave our way back to where you are now. But tell us who you are now, what you do now and who you do it for. Okay. I'm actually a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and I work in uh, Taos, New Mexico at Vista Taos Renewal Center. <laughs> it's like the most incredible thing what God does when he now, just opens it up. Now, so, are, you a, are you a skier? Well, there's one time that I skied, and it was years and years ago, and it was pretty hazy. So, uh, you know, I, I'll be back out there. The season's <laughs> just about ending, yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost over, but but yeah, if you love to ski, that's a great place to be. For sure. All right. So and now you just moved there. So tell us what you did in Dallas before or in this area before you moved out there. I, I was uh, I earned my internship in 2016. And so I just you know, you, when you earn your internship as a LCDC intern, you do 4000 hours and that's two years of, uh, you know, as an intern, you get all your hours and then you retest. And so I've worked at a few a treatment centers, a couple of them in Kaufman. I worked at a women's uh uh, prison uh, rehab and my first job and it was incredible and um yeah which which it, uh which which prison was that safe p uh in halbert the halbert oh, that's Union. right yeah safe p oh gosh safe p I don't, know, Texas. I, don't, I don't know if the women's safe p are, are different than the men's safe p but um well, god bless you for doing that so yeah, uh, it was our, actually it was incredible Okay, so you haven't always been an LCDC and you haven't always been pursuing all these great uh, adventures. So take us back to uh, take us back to where it all started, you know, because um, you wouldn't be on here if I, if you didn't have some sort of back part of your background that you had to rise above. So okay. so let's 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 go back. You know, uh, what was your childhood like family like? When did you start getting into things you shouldn't have? And uh, tell us. Okay. Tell us the story. All right. Well, um, mom and dad, they divorced when I was like five years old. And uh, so we we stayed. My, my mom was like the the mom, the superpowers with three jobs and just doing whatever she had to do for her three kids. And so uh, I started playing soccer when I was a little girl. And it was a, this place where I could really uh, kind of lose myself and turned out I was really good. And I would steal the ball from my, my teammates. And, uh, you know, there, there was always something, uh, I was a scared little girl. There was just always right. something like I was pretty anxious. And so, uh, you know, we moved uh, often, but, um, we, we knew that we were taken care of, you know, I always, we were that family that, you know, we say, I love you. And I had a lot of friends that didn't, and yeah. it was kind of weird to me, you know, just always knowing that you're loved. And right. so, uh, in about seventh grade or so, 
uh, somebody had some Crown Royal and I drank it and I was like, and you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has like been a life jacket for me. It's changed everything for me, giving yeah. me more than I ever imagined. And that sense of ease and comfort that it talks about, it's like, I had this moment where I could breathe, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, I chased that, that, that moment of being able to breathe for a good little while. And I, I wasn't, I didn't drink like other people. I drank to drink, to get drunk and, yeah. um, to, to change the way I felt. And I, you know, it was, there was a part of me that was always, uh, I, I wanted to be anywhere, but where I was, and I wanted to be anybody but Shelly. And so, uh, I got a scholarship to uh, Midwestern state, uh, I played soccer in high school, all through high school. I got a scholarship. And, um, and did, you know, my, did, the, did your drinking get in the way of uh, college? Well, you know, when I got to college, that's what everybody was doing. But everybody else would like go to go to class, drink, 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 go to class. And, you know, it became uh, everything to me. I drank alcoholically from the start. And then uh, methamphetamines um, came into my life and it just derailed everything I had planned. You know, so this scholarship lasted a year. I left school. I went to another school. Um, I started getting in trouble with the law uh, just about five years out of high school. And wow. man, it stayed, that little stamp stayed on me until uh, 2017. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. And so that's why the background check, it's just, you know, it speaks to me because so many doors shut for me yeah. of my own doing, you know. So, uh so tell me about 2007. How did your life change in 2007? Okay, 2007. Uh, um, I found out uh, in June that my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And um, at that time, I was like, I'm homeless. Everything I have is in a backpack. Um, I hadn't talked to my mom. I couldn't even remember how long it had been. And my sister found me and told me that my dad was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And um, so I had this idea. I'm going to go see my dad. I'm going to go visit him in a stolen car. So I'm driving a stolen car. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that, you know, like a, whenever um, alcohol and drugs is in Shelly's system, I'm a criminal, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm a liar. I'm a thief. So uh, I got arrested uh, in July, July uh, 9th, 2007. And my dad passed away August 28th, 2007. Mm. So you didn't and, get a chance to go see him again. No, it, it was the most incredible thing my family ever did for me was not bail me out of jail. I didn't think that at the time, right? but yeah, yeah. I crawled through that in, in jail by myself. And I don't know, August 28th was a Tuesday. And, um, I cried out to God standing on this, in this gym. And I, I, I'll never forget it. I was, if you take this addiction from me, God, I'll do whatever you put in front of me. And that, that was the wow. first time I ever said, if you do this, I'll do this. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. So now where was that? Was that in jail or was that in prison or, Dallas County Jail. Dallas County yeah. Jail. Uh, and so uh, did that stint in jail lead to a prison sentence or did you? That time it led to a rehab. I got another chance at rehab. Okay. Um, prison had been um, in uh, um, 91, uh, no, 96, 98, 2004. You know, yeah, I, that, that it, it it led me to state jail, you know. So you, so you spent some time in Gatesville, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I, what you, what you know, you I got, did, I got this uh, shock probation in uh, 96. They're okay. going to shock me. So yeah. I won't mess up anymore. And yeah. And obviously I, it didn't did shock you months. enough, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what, what I tell everybody is, man, the shock level is different for everybody. Just like I tell everybody, everybody's rock bottom is different. 
my my older sister bless her heart you know if she gets a speeding ticket that's her rock bottom and she's at the altar the next week in church repenting of her sins um for me rock bottom was was not only prison but then i got into a fight and got locked up in solitary confinement in prison and that's where that's where my rock bottom took place but i tell anybody and everybody man you can make your rock bottom wherever you want it you can you can your mindset can change to where okay i'm not I, this is as low as i'm going i'm not going anymore i'm going to pick myself up today and 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 begin to move forward and climb higher yep. so i share with people all the time your rock bottom is when you stop digging exactly that's good that's really good that is so true too so so at that point dallas county jail uh 2007 you go to uh rehab which was where where did you go Wilmer, there? yeah dallas okay. uh, judicial treatment center it was my second time to go out there and uh I don't know. There was something different inside of me. You know, it wasn't like that August 28th. It was like, oh, okay, everything's great. It just like, there was this moment of light instead right. of dark, you yeah. know? And um, yeah, I went to treatment six months. So. So what were you thinking during that, that, okay, when I get out this time, you know, it's going to be different. When I get out this time, this is what I'm going to do. Did you have a plan in place? Uh, or did it evolve over time? Um, what what were you, what was going on through your mind and what happened when you got out that time? Throughout treatment, I had this lightness, you know, like that for me, my alcoholism and my drug addiction, it was always something that sat on me and it was just, you know, like suffocated me right, and it was all right. I could think about. And, 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 and it was, I didn't have it, you know, and I, I, it was like, my chains are gone. I've been set free. I absolutely felt like the chains of addiction had been lifted from me and, and, and like opportunities were happening yeah, and that suggestions yeah. were happening. Hey, maybe you should go to some sober living afterwards. And I was like, okay, you know, it was like everything that came my way. I was like, I'll do that. Let me just do everything opposite of what I've done before. Perhaps I'll get something different than I've ever gotten. You yeah. know, that's that, I like the way you said that because that's what I tell the guys when they come out of prison to our transitional houses, I tell them, uh, or I, whenever they're, I see them start to struggle, then that's when I tell them, look, I want you to take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. And on one side, write all the behaviors that you were exhibiting before you went to prison. And all, your routines, your daily routines, your music, your habits, your everything that you were, the friends you hung out with, the places you went, the people you, you know, people, places, and things. And then, and then on this side over here, I want you to begin to write your current daily habits, your music, your people, everything you do. And, and as soon as you see those two sides begin to line up with each other, you know, you're headed in the wrong direction. Yep. You know, if your list over here on the one side of what you're doing now begins to uh, mirror or look familiar because it's on the other side too, then you know, you're not doing anything different and you're going to get the same result. Absolutely. And so that's what I tell people. Mine comes down to uh, if I'm lying, if I'm telling myself I'm doing this, if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm saying, oh, okay, I, I, this is what I did. And I have to like check myself. What did I say again? I mean, I could not keep up with them. And so that's what I share with people, you know, today getting to be a counselor. I'll just be like, you can tell me anything. Tell yourself the truth, you know? So yeah, that would, that's a big one. Yeah. So. So how has what your journey has been like been able to help you in helping others? Well, uh, earlier when we were just like chatting before you started uh, the podcast, you know, we talked about um, this is the best way I get to say thank you. I'm yeah. telling you, like, God shines something inside of me and, it, and, and it's like, I'll do anything. And it's just like, show me how 
to be grateful. And so I, I'd say like, you know, today I get to shine light in the darkness for other people. And I just, you know, like sometimes I'll just be like, come this way, you know, like I know the way, you know, and, and, and even if it's rocky and it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable is good. Yes. That's where I grow. And that's, so that, like, that's what I tell people. Growth happens in, in the, un, un, not the comfort zones in the uncomfortable zones. Absolutely. What's the, been the hardest thing about your recovery all these years? What's been the hardest thing? Let's see. The hardest thing for me about my recovery, uh, I'd say, has been. And maybe it's know, different. Or, maybe it was different in the beginning than it is now. You know, maybe yeah, early on, you know, just like what what you stand for, what you like, what the background stuff, you know, like uh, I was pretty much uh, uh, categorized as, you know, um, I, I'm a you know, three-time loser is what the state of Texas calls me, you know? And, and, and so like, you know, getting through that stuff was a pretty big deal. Now I had people that would give me an opportunity, you know, and I've heard your podcast and uh, one of your guests was talking about, you know, just like somebody like investing in us, believing in us. So, you know, uh, not getting approved for certain apartments, not getting approved. I mean, like good grief to, to sell me a car. It's like, $10,000 $10,000 a month or something, you know, but, uh, you know, but I had people that would believe in me and invest in me. So wow, I'd say the hardest thing would be my own head, you know? Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm Shelly's worst critic. Yeah. Now what's the hardest thing about helping others recover? I'd say that watching them and hearing their great ideas and you're like, Oh my God, that's a great one. You know, like uh, just kind of watching them just bang their head up against the wall. And I'm just like, man, yeah, struggling, trying to watch them really, really fit. No, I think I know what's best. And yeah, yeah that's just heartbreaking. And, you know, people that, uh, that, that um, pass away, it's heartbreaking, you know, so many people have lost their lives in this journey, almost 14 years for me. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I think I had that early on, uh, survivor's guilt or recoverer's right. guilt, you know, so to speak, because not that I would question what God, why me, but why not them? You yeah. know, I just had a, a hard dear, one. I had a dear friend just this past year. Um, I mean, he's been in uh, his alcohol struggle and addiction for 20 plus years. And I would have conversations with him and I would say, you know what, one day you and I are going to be on the same stage sharing our recovery story together. And he would look at me, he would say, do you really believe that? You know, and honestly, there were some days I didn't, but I I kept speaking it over him. I kept speaking it over him. And I said, yeah, I sure do, man. I believe you, you can be sober one day. And I said, I said, you don't drink as much as I do, which eventually he ended up drinking more than I did. He looked at me sometimes with tears in his eyes and asked me if I thought he could ever be sober. He said, I want you to be honest with me. He says, because I don't know if I can. And I had some conversations with him that just, I don't know, you know, he was the only person in my life that I could ever honestly say he drank more than me because I drank a lot. And I mean, there was a two year period in my life where I was, where I was legitimately drunk every day. And, And I knew I was because I knew how much it took me to get drunk. And so I would purposely drink every single, and it was a lot more, my tolerance built up, as you know, my tolerance built up, you know, I have, I have a tattoo of Jack Daniels on my left arm, you know, and that's how all in I was. And I, and I, I like the way you said it earlier. You said you wanted to be anything but Shelly Goad and Jack did that for me. Jack, Jack allowed me to be somebody else. I mean, um, all of them were lies, 
you know, I would tell people sometimes I was a undercover sniper. I was a spy. I was all people were like, you know, this is what you told me when you were drunk last night. I'm like, what? I said that. I think if there were to, if, if I was to pull anything good from my, my Jack Daniels addiction is that when I discovered meth, uh, I loved it. I loved meth because it made me even more. I'm just this ah, crazy hyper guy. And, and it made me even more of that. And I loved it, but I was just a couple of weeks into my meth short-term meth relationship. I was tweaking one night and I'd already been up for a couple of days and I took a drink of my Jack, my freshly poured Jack Daniels. And I, I looked at it. I'm like, what am I drinking? And I'm like, I know I just poured this out of the bottle and I'm watching myself pouring it out of the bottle and I couldn't taste it. And one of the things right. I liked about Jack Daniels was that I could taste it or I, I love the taste. But that one day I, I looked and I couldn't taste the Jack Daniels. And somebody said, oh, that's because of the meth. I never did meth again after that. Oh, wow. Jack Daniels saved me from being strung out on meth, I promise you. Um, But that was about all that Jack was good for. And um, But, you know, I I leave the tattoo on my arm because I want people to see it and and ask me about it and talk about it. And um, are there any regrets looking back on your life and your journey? And would you change anything if you could? Let's see. I missed some incredible opportunities, I'd say, but, uh, you know, like that scripture, beauty for ashes, you yeah. know, like, uh, the, the, the things that are gone, uh, I, I've been given, oh my gosh, blessings beyond anything I could imagine. So, you know, there are, uh, I, I would have spent more time with my dad when he was alive, hmm. you know, I would have, um, showed up to, uh, you know, and friends' weddings, the places I was supposed to be, you know, like the the missed um, memories. And I, I, I regret those. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, now I've been given an opportunity to like, I don't miss them today. You know, right. I say I'm going to show up, I show up. And so that, that would be it. You know, some incredible opportunities and some doors open for me. And I was just paralyzed in fear. Sometimes couldn't even walk through them. But other times the chains had me. Yeah. So do you think you would be able to help people on the level that you're able to help them on today? If you hadn't been what you've been through? Nope, absolutely not. And, and, and I say, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, one of the trillion gifts of my recovery and my journey is it gives me like this perspective. It's like, man, uh, I got eyes that can see it. And, uh, sometimes it really helps when, when people are full of it. Cause I'll be like, Oh man, <laughs> Are you really getting that one? I mean, it's just like. Do you ever real, see yourself in, in the people you're trying to help, you know, and you're time. just like, I'm like, I find oh, myself yeah. telling people that I'm like, you're just like a younger version of me. Yes. And I said, I said, I was just, I was exactly this way yep. when I was your age. I said the exact same things. I was in the exact same denial. I thought I could do it this way. And Oh man! I like to call them like uh, our little twin, our mini knuckleheads, and you'll be yes. like, "Really? Are you really?" It's like, sadly, you know, we have to you have to really watch people, you know, just keep walking that path. And I mean, it's just like that old phrase, you know, you can show them where the water is, but I can't make them drink. Yeah, yeah. So I and but also, you know, I share this with people all the time. If recovery uh, was unpleasant, if I was miserable, I promise I wouldn't stay here. Right. You know. I like to tell people I ended up in prison because of the 
people I hung around, the places I went, the things I did, people, places, and things. Life is all about people, places, and things. And I and I keep myself out of prison now because of the people I hang out with, the places Absolutely. I go, and the things I do. I was sharing somewhere in Dallas. I think it was Dallas uh, Dallas Foundation. I was sharing with one of their groups, the homeless group down there one time. I just asked anybody at the end of it if they need prayer, and they came up, and this one guy said, said, uh, Mr. Gum, I, I want you to pray that I, I'm able to resist the temptation to drink. And I'm like, all right, man. I'm, and I was about to pray. And I just felt like I was prompted to say, ask him when the temptation to drink is the strongest. And so I, I did. I said, hey, man, when is it the strongest for you, the temptation to drink? And he goes, well, when I'm at the bar. And and I said, really? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay. Do you, you hear what you just said, right? I said, I'm going to I'm gonna pray that you change the places you go because if you don't change the places you go we could pray all all night and all day about the resisting temptation but if you continue to put yourself in those places where the temptation is the strongest then your this recovery is going to take a very long time yeah and, and people just forget about the practical things they can do you know uh when i first got out of prison uh in fact let's see april 18th will be 15 years so I'm about to celebrate my wedding anniversary, April 18th, and my getting out of prison anniversary, April 18th. So, um, but when I first got out of prison, I played in the church basketball league and I'm very competitive. I got mad at refs and the other team and eventually even my own team because of the, the way the game was going. I found myself, you know, yelling at refs and yelling at the other team and getting so mad that I'm like, I can't, I can't do that again. I can't put, so when the, when the season came back up again, the next season, people noticed that I wasn't playing. And they're like, hey, why aren't you playing? I'm like, eh, I get too angry when I'm playing. And they're like, well, this is the way to work on it. You practice and you come, you know, let it get you angry and you don't give in and you don't get mad. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, that sounds great, but it it's even smarter if you just don't purposely put yourself in a situation where you know that, you know, and since I stopped playing in church basketball, I haven't gotten angry at the other team and the refs and everything. Yes. Since I stopped drinking, I I haven't gotten any more DWIs. I haven't gotten pulled over as much. I haven't gotten any more PIs, MIPs, none of these things that came with the people, places, and things. Absolutely. All my, all my people, places, and things have changed. And even when I first came out, you know, a prison, my, my best friend of 20 years, you know, thought we were just going to pick up where we left off. And, but we were going in two different directions and it was, it was hard. It was hard telling him that I can't even, I can't even come to your own son's birthday party. If you're going to have adults there drinking and doing these things that I don't want to, I don't want to be around. Yep. Sometimes we're, you know, we really have to love people from a distance. And I think that the people that cheer us on and want good for us, although they might still be doing what we are not able to do, you know, there, there's people that are, you know, still praying me along, but yeah. you know, like when I, I stopped going to the bar, I stopped getting drunk, you know, I, I stopped going to the dope house. I stopped doing dope, you know, and it's just like, yeah. And uh, it's real important not like a uh, put on that armor, you know, let me who be is, safe today. Who in your life and your recovery uh, has been somebody who's been really an important part of your recovery. That's been your cheerleader along the way and has maybe helped you through some emotional times in your recovery? Well, my mom is my absolute biggest cheerleader and uh, she, she's my person, you know, like this is absolutely our journey together. 
you know, uh, the, our mutual friend, Erica, she, you know, she's really just shined light into me. She knew me, uh, and we met in seventh grade and then she knew me when I was really lost in a dark spot. She was always there for me, you know? And so, uh, she saw who I could be, you know, I, I have like, uh, tribes of, you know, friends from high school, you know, they, they, they didn't know where I was for a long time. And then, yeah. Here I am. And so, uh, you know, people praying you along. The people in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I mean, they, I, I was going to those meetings with my hat on and I would look at the ground and I knew who everybody was because of their shoes. Right. You know, and <laughs> they gave me this opportunity to hold my head up and look people in the eye. So, man, yeah. that's awesome. All right. So what are some things you could share with our listeners? Maybe, uh, maybe there's a listener struggling with addiction uh, right now. Uh, what what are some things that you could share with with those people that maybe could um, could could kind of spark a, a jump start in their life or in their thinking or in their mindset? Right. Well, um, you know, good news with uh, Google. Uh, you can Google anything today and uh, it'll tell you when that where the, like you put in AA meetings near me. It, it will blow up your phone, the opportunities. And now, you know, like there's the gifts of the blessings of the pandemic because there's a Zoom meeting pretty much every hour. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm full of women's meetings that give you an opportunity to share about, you know, like say you're a woman, you kind of reach out to the women and then men reach out to the men. But I mean, being able to just Google NA meetings, AA meetings, you just wouldn't even believe it. Celebrate recovery. You know, I, I think the biggest thing I would share with people is uh, reach out. You know, it's safe to say like me isolating in the dark in my bedroom is not going to do it. Yeah. Find someone that you trust that you can reach out to just one person, you know, it, Everybody has somebody that's believing in them. I just, I just, I just have to believe that. So, um, you know, let that one person be the, be the light, you know? What do you say to someone who said, who says they've already tried to go into the 12 step groups and, and, and all that, and they still can't seem to, you know, make some things change in their lives. Well, I think that everybody, you know, has an opportunity to look at the similarities or the differences. And if I, like, if I stay focused on the things that, why I don't fit there, those people didn't talk to me, all that, you know, it's like, if I arrive late and leave early, nobody's going to have an opportunity to get to know me. That's good. You know? And so like, perhaps you give yourself another chance. You give those other people another chance. I'd say that one of the biggest things I, I would tell people to do, get on your knees and pray. Cause I tell you, like in those moments where I really like, God, walk with me, help take me through this day, take me through this next five minutes. I mean, point me in the direction of, uh, you know, someone that can help me bring someone into my life. You know, like uh, something that I wrote in um, whenever you had sent me the information, I talked about the the prayer of Jabez. Mm -hmm. and, uh, man, that prayer, it started just, you know, bless me indeed and enlarge yeah. my territory. And it's just like, what? So, you know, uh, a long time ago, I took a peer recovery coach class, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever heard about motivational interviewing. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard that that phrase or that term at some point in your education. Um, that I actually have a, I have a motivational interviewing book on my desk right now. That, <laughs> that, that technique changed the way I help people because I didn't, I would used to get so frustrated in trying to help people do what I did. Yeah, this is the way you need to do it. This will work for me. So this is this exactly thing will work for you. Yeah. And until I started learning how to ask questions and, 
and understood the concept that 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 person is going to be more likely to to commit to a program they come up with than yeah. one that's forced down their throat. And when I absolutely asking those questions and learning learning that I don't have it mastered yet because I still you know we all have a tendency to want to you know um, want to just say well this worked for me so it'll work for you and. Uh, but, but that's, that's when I go into my motivational interview and is when they start talking about how, well, I've tried AA. Oh, okay. Well, tell me, tell me your routine at AA. And it'll sound just like what you said. Well, I, I usually show up and nobody talks to me. Well, what time do you show up? Uh, you know, if it starts at eight, probably a couple minutes late. Okay. So yep. you, you don't really give anybody time to talk to you. Yeah. And then what time do you, what time do you leave? Uh, well, you know, I try to, you know, I got to, sometimes I got to be home early or I got to whatever. So I'll try to, so you don't give anybody time to talk to you afterwards either. No, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I begin, I learned how to ask all these questions and, uh, and just begin finding out stuff. And so that's one thing that's, that's, that's helped me. So, uh, what would you say to family members or family listeners that have loved ones that are struggling? How would you how Cause our families tried to love us as best we could in our addiction. And sometimes things they said or did may have pushed us away. Um, So no family wants to push anybody away. Um, They really, truly all just want to help and want us to get better. So what would you say to the families that have loved ones that are struggling with addiction to what, what tips um, give them? My mom always says uh, where there's life, there's hope. And so she never gave up on me. I would have really encouraged families to like, you know, check out some Al-Anon, some, some um, NA families of, you know, drug addicts, alcoholics, and, and, but also, uh, you know, like check yourself if you're loving them to death, you know, like our families, our families like uh, crawl through our addiction with us, but then they can also like, walk with us through the incredible, you know, opportunities of recovery. So I I think that um, not deciding that uh, you got to fix them, you know, sometimes it really takes that, you know, that tough love. I never really loved that tough love thing, but that's exactly what happened to me in 2007 was my family loved me enough to say, not this time, you know? And like I said, it was like the best, worst thing that ever happened to me. I like to call it a badly wrapped gift, you know, like sometime let them sit leave them, you know, like if you're always rescuing, if they're always happy with you, then you're probably enabling them. Yes. And if they're not so happy with you, then you're probably having boundaries, you know? So. And that's the hardest thing for, for families to do is to learn how to love by letting go. You know, um, some of, some of the mothers and fathers, they want to come talk to me and ask me for advice. And, and I tell them, it sounds like you're still trying to raise your adult kid, you know, and the yeah. time, the time to raise them you've already done. So, you know, the Bible has a verse that says, train up your child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So you've already done your part. You've trained them. You've sowed seeds into them. You've, you know, uh, you've done everything you could. Now they're growing up and they're, they're, they're departing from those things but at some point something's going to happen in life, whether it's their rock bottom, whether it's they're coming to their senses that, that they're going to go, you know what, maybe, maybe what I was taught as a child wasn't so wrong. Right. My mom gets smarter. Yeah. My mom gets smarter every year. Good night. She is so smart. 
I'll be like, oh my gosh, my mom told me that. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. Before we go, is there anything else you'd like for us to know about Shelly Goad? Let's see. Uh, I think that, um, more and more, I, I like to tell people, don't believe everything you think. And uh, in those moments where uh, you think that, um, you know, you, you've been left or the door's been shut, you know, uh, trust that God has something bigger, better. And like uh, believing that it has to be your way or it's the wrong way. Oh, man, it'll just keep us so small. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Give do you have any, a chance. Do you have any books or movies about addiction that you... Uh have loved over the years that you might um, recommend? I really love the anonymous, uh, the anonymous people. Have you ever seen that? It's It's fantastic. Now I love the book uh, broken by uh, William Cope Moyers. He actually came and spoke at a treatment center where I was and and he always signed it. And so that was really powerful. Um, I, uh, I had not not heard about the anonymous uh, people until I went to take my peer recovery coach class. And that's where uh, I binge watched. I, I watched it like in that whole two or three days that I was doing the class and yeah. uh, incredible, incredible. It's so good. Yeah. What I are some, it. what are some Hollywood movies that had to do with addiction that you like? I love 28 days. 28 days is so fantastic, of course. And uh, you know, there's uh, that Ben is back, you know, the one with Julia Roberts. Uh, yeah. It's fantastic. And um, you know, beautiful boy. It, it, I read the book and it, oh man, it really tugs at you. It's a real deal, you know? And so um, I, I write a little bit and I have some things, you know, that I know it'll come to fruition, you know, in it, when it's supposed to. And it's just, uh, I think every one of us have, has a story and yeah. it's important to to share it. So if there was a Hollywood movie made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, let's see. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I've never thought of it. Uh, I don't think it would be a movie, Jay Dan. It would probably just be a book. Oh, okay. I mean, well, some of all the great books are made into movies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'll have to think about that one. There is a new <laughs> movie uh, about addiction coming out. I forgot it now. I posted oh, on my- it. Oh, it's, uh, it's called uh, Just Three Days uh, with um, uh, Meryl's, no, no, Glenn Close. Glenn, Glenn, yeah, 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 that's the one. Ah, that oh looks like God. it's going to be so good. Oh, man, that's that's the truth. I posted I my- a, I posted about that, and I, I'm, I'm always skeptical about when, when people who don't struggle with addiction try to make a movie about addiction. Because because they don't know the depth and the levels uh, that people really struggle with it. Uh, I thought Sandra Bullock did a great job in 28 Days. Uh, it looks like this movie with um, with Glenn and uh, I forgot the, the girl. That, Myla, Mila. Y- yes, yes. Uh, just the trailer alone. Oh, my no, gosh. Looks so incredible. Compelling. So compelling. I'll tell you, my favorite part was uh, whenever she's driving in the car with her and she says, if anyone can do it, you can. I'm so proud of you. I'm telling you, when my mom told me she was proud of me, oh, man, that, yeah. that's the light. And then yeah. uh, I'll tell you another movie I just thought about it, that Hillbilly Elegy. Have you seen that? Uh-uh, I haven't seen that one. All right, man. I have to see it. All right. I'm, that I'm, is incredible. That has uh, Glenn Close. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it is Glenn Close. She's the grandmother. It's based on a true story. So I'll have to watch that one. That, uh, I, can't, I can't wait now. All right. I thought I had heard about all the good ones. Uh, all right. Well, I, listen. I'll text it. I'll send it to you in, a, in an email. Thank you. And I'm proud of you. 
Oh man, uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm proud of us. Look at us. Yeah, like, you like, know, uh, I mean, especially especially taking the time all these years to 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 go through you know college and and get your degree and and be able to specifically pour back in a in a field that you um, poured into uh, in a different way uh, a long time ago. And so, thank you. I used I, I tell people. You know, uh, when people ask me, do you think you'll ever do this again? Do you think you'll ever do that again? And and lo- people love to ask me the if I'll ever drink again. And and I just tell them, look, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are still strung out on alcohol and drugs because of me. I was the one that introduced it to them. And I'm I'm hoping and praying that they all recover before they die, you know. Absolutely. Um, uh, and, you know, and so I just tell people, look, you know, if people are looking at me, I want to live my life uh, in a way that leads them in a positive direction into a positive addiction to a healthy addiction, not a, not. So, so if me abstaining from all these things that, that I abused uh, in my past, if me abstaining from them will allow me not to let anybody lead, be led down that path again, then, then I'm not, I'm not ever going to do these things again. Right on. I mean, even one person. And I'll tell you, like when people uh, that were out there with me or saw how empty and broken I was, when they see me today and I'll be like, "Um, I promise you can be free, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, I'm staying, you know, I I got, I've gotten everything uh, in place of empty. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's the rewards have been have far outweighed the consequences of of my old life. So, uh, and and one of those rewards is this podcast, getting to talk to awesome people like yourself. So, uh, thank you once so again, much. So once again, so proud of you. Thank you for all you do. And I hate that you just. I mean, I'm glad that you got the the position that you're in now. You know, but I hate that I didn't get to meet you in time to. <laughs> hang out with you here in the Dallas area, but, uh, well, you never know what God will do, you know what I'm, I mean? But it's I may like come he, skiing and, uh, I may come skiing one year and, and come, come visit you. All right. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, what an opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for in, uh, in, inviting me to be a, a guest. Well, you've been a great one and, uh, and keep doing what you're doing. It works. Keep working it. Cause it works. If you work it, I promise I will. <laughs> you too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, man, so much to unpack. That was a great story. Man, if you if you enjoyed listening to Shelly's story, please go follow her on on social media. She posts some very inspirational posts. But man, I just love every part of her story. Every part of her story. Uh there's some tragedy in there. There's some there's some you know, just there's some joy and there's some, some happiness and then there's some down times, um, you know, but in the end, uh, let me let me go ahead and say right now that the movies we were talking about, uh, Glenn Close is in both movies. The one that's coming out April 30th next week that we couldn't remember the name of is actually called Four Good Days instead of Three More Days. So it's called Four Good Days. And listen, I've watched Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, my gosh. And Anonymous People are great, too. So. Listen, if you're in the recovery world or you just want to understand what it's like to be in a family that, that you know, or if you are in a family and you're not the alcoholic or you're not the addict and you want to, I don't know, somehow know know how to handle life better with somebody, Al-Anon is great. You, you, you need to get help just as much as the addict does. I know 
that sounds harsh. I know that sounds like, well, I don't need help. I'm not the one with the problem. Well, the problem is not you, but the, there is a problem there. The problem is that you may not know how to cope or handle life with an addict in your family. And, and, and you just gotta, just gotta know how to do that and it'll help you, but it'll also help them. But man, Shelly said some great things. She's just an amazing person. I mean, I can't believe she was going to see her dad in a stolen car and then she got arrested and her family did not bail her out. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, I, I, I used to be a criminal, so I know I used to run through all these uh, risk assessments myself. Okay, what if I get caught driving without a license? I shouldn't speed if I'm driving without a license because then that'll draw attention to me. You know, and I love what she said about rock bottom. You know, rock bottom is when you just when you stop digging. And I like to tell everybody, everybody's rock bottom is different. And it's so true. And it's kind of like what, what she says. Rock bottom is when you stop digging and you just lay there. And you can either lay there and look up or lay there face down and just surrender. But she also, uh, you know, said that there's always somebody who believes in you. And, and listen to me, if you're listening, there's a, pe- there's a few people that I'm trying to help that I know might be listening. And if you are listening, I believe in you. Doesn't mean I'm always going to answer your phone call at 3 a.m. I'm going to have boundaries. And you should have boundaries too. She talks about it. You know, my family was great at not enabling me. I enabled myself. But there's a lot of codependent families. There's a lot of enablers out there. Don't be an enabler. Set boundaries. They'll figure it out. I figured it out. It took me going to prison to figure it out, but I figured it out. I stopped digging when I hit that solitary confinement cell in prison. I stopped digging. My my dad died of cancer as well, but he didn't die till a year after I got out, so I got to spend time with him and say goodbye to him. She said that when she drank, she wanted to be anywhere but where she was, and she wanted to be anybody but Shelly. And listen, I don't know why anybody else would drink. I know I drank for many reasons. I I drank for many reasons. I didn't drink for the same reason every time. Sometimes I drank because I was happy. Sometimes I drank because I was mad. Sometimes I drank because I was celebrating something. Sometimes I drank because I was mourning something. But it was always because I wanted to feel differently than I was feeling. Yeah, sure. Sure. Alcohol made me feel more confident. <laughs> but I tell people I still get drunk. I just switch bartenders. I, I have a new way of making myself feel confident. Listen, if, if Shelly's story has inspired you, uh, go, to, go to our show page, and you can look at all the books and the movies that she recommends and that we've talked about. But follow her on social media, too. She's an inspiring person, and she's also on another podcast called Amazing Grace Talk. Uh, she's on there with my friend, uh, Erica Williamson. So uh, go listen to that podcast if you want. Uh, I was also recently on Being Becky podcast. If you want to go listen to that, that's that's a pretty cool podcast as well. Hey, before we leave, let's, uh, let's pray for Shelly. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Shelly. 
Thank you for not ever taking your hand off her life. Thank you for giving her her family that rallied around her in her darkest moments and said, we're going to love you in a tough kind of way. Lord, thank you for, for the person Shelly is today. Thank you that you've put her in a position where she's able to help so many other people and change so many lives. Bless her. Pour out your spirit on her. Pour out your favor, your resources on her to be the best version of her, better than she's ever been. And we thank you for her. Keep her safe. Keep her family safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Y'all have a good day, good weekend, and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Listen, if you need help, if you're addicted to something, call me. Call me. Go to the website, forgivenfellas.org. My number is on the contact page. But get help from somewhere and just admit you need help. But don't, let me give you a little tip. Don't only just admit you need help when you're drunk or when you're high. Because that's not the real you talking. You need to be able to have a sober conversation with somebody and really listen and be as honest and open as you are when you're high or when you're drunk. There's, you you got to, I'm not going to say you got to want it because I know everybody wants to be free. Nobody wants to be in bondage. But there's some steps we got to take as alcoholics, addicts, that we have to do. Things that we got to do, action steps we got we to gotta take if, if we're going to be free. I love you. I believe in you. Go to ForgivenFelons.org. Visit the website. Share a background check podcast with everybody you know. If you, if you listen on Apple, leave a review. Uh, rate us on all the other platforms. I believe you can still rate us on Spotify and Audible and Google Podcasts. And just give us a rating. Give us a review. Share it. Look at the show page. See some pictures. And, uh, again, thank you. We're coming up on almost a year. This is our, 50th ep- our 49th episode, I believe. And just unbelievably humbled by, by the, just the privilege of being able to do this. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.